Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Hey, Beth. How are you? Hey, Christy. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm just so glad to see your face and hear your voice. <laughs> Same. And I am also very excited. We were just talking about this to get back on track. Mm-hmm. Yes. Normal episodes. Normal. Air yeah. quote, normal. Right. And just you and me in our closet talking yes. about the crazies. Talking about the normal crazies. And I'm a year oh. older. Yes. So I feel like I have so much wisdom mm -hmm. to bring to this. It's true. It happens like that. <laughs> it does. It really does. And it is election season. Yeah, people, tomorrow. November. So please get out and vote. Yes. Let your voice be heard. I early voted in North Carolina. Posted mm -hmm. a picture on our social media if you caught that. I will that be going funny. first thing in the morning because we don't have early voting here. So so you have to go on election day? Mm -hmm. Unless you do, I think, absentee. I don't, and Well, mail-in, I guess. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the um, day I don't have early voting, which I kind of was bummed about. But I'll just get up first thing tomorrow and go. Yeah, I was really quick for me. I was only there for like 20 minutes. And it was extremely sterile. Mm -hmm. It was tr probably one of the most sterile experiences that I have had in 2020. You get to keep your pen, right? You Yes, they gave me a pen. When you walk in the door, they gave me a pen in paper, in like wrap. Oh. So I had to actually open the pen myself. Kind of like at the it. pedicure place when they rip open the... Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> but they, they don't open it for you. You have to open it yourself. And then you go in. And there's just, it's just plexiglass heaven. If you ever wondered where all the plexiglass was, it's at the pole stations. And they have, the, it was in a gym where I went to and they had those little dots mm -hmm. and everyone had to stand on the dot. And I was like, I truly feel like I'm in PE class in elementary. <laughs> like stand on your spot. Stand <laughs> on your spot. Okay, move to the next spot. You know, and everyone's just standing on their little circle and <laughs> holding their pre-wrapped pen. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. I was definitely glad to see all the people out. And it is, you know, it's an honor to go vote. So go do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Get out there, people. Have your voice. Yep. We support it. Mm -hmm, for sure. So you ready to just get right into this one? I am. I want to hear yeah. what you have for me. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to tell it, actually. Um because I've been interested in this one for a little bit. I've heard a couple things about it, but um, and have read about her a lot. So I'm, I'm excited to tell it. So. Mm, a lady. All right. Here we go. This week, I chose to check into Belle Gunness. And I think, besides me mentioning her during Serial Killer Week, because I think I did mention her to you like when we were like just chatting about who to do and maybe possibly on lists that you've seen, like that's, is that the extent of your knowledge? I have of her? seen her on serial killer lists and mm -hmm. my jaw is dropped <laughs> to think that you may have actually done it again. Yeah. And <laughs> I will say it's, this one's a little bit easy, well, easier to delve into than those other ones were and a little okay. bit easier to continue 
condense into a normal episode for us. So, but anyway, I heard about her years ago and she's just fascinated. So, and it's, she's fascinating. Sorry. And this is an old one because Belle Gunness was born on November 11th, 1859. Mm, So she's a Scorpio too. Mm, Yes. yes. Ooh, can I just tell you though, real quickly, sad note, Mm -hmm. I did read something or heard something the other day that was saying, you know, it was talking about how there are not very many female serial killers, but like 80% of all female serial serial killers are Scorpios. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. <laughs> I really only, did. And I was only like, you would like find that information. <laughs> it is so interesting to me. Like, wow. I get it. We got some fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, <laughs> wait till you find out about this one. Okay. <laughs> um. So she was born in 1859 in Selbu, Norway. Her yeah. birth name was. This is a mouthful. Brynhild Paul's daughter, Storseth. If I said any of that right. Of course. Of course. That was her name. <laughs> yeah. She was the youngest of eight children to Paul Peterson Storseth and Barrett Allstatter. So basically it seemed like her name was like combinations mm. of all of those together. It was just basically every syllable imaginable yeah. all put together in yes. one name. <laughs> yes. So she was raised on a farm and grew up to be pretty physically, a physically strong woman. She was reported to be about 5'9 and about 200 pounds. Some say 250 by the time she died, but I don't know. I don't don't really know if there's record of this. Hmm. When she was 18, she became a servant farmer, which back during this time were just people who lived on farms and they paid their rent by working on the farm, like a tenant farmer. Okay. In 1881, at the age of 22, she followed her sister and emigrated to the U.S. That was 100 years before I was born. Oh, look at that. (laughs) Didn't even even put it together. 100 years ago. 139 years ago now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She then changed her name to Belle Peterson. I don't know where she got the bell from, but Peterson, clearly her dad was Paul Peterson. Anyway, Belle Peterson and moved to Chicago, Illinois, and worked as a servant there for a short time as well. She soon met Mads Albert Sorensen, and the two were married in 1884. They had four children, Caroline, Axel, Myrtle, and Lucy. Axel? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that made a comeback, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. she was like the, they were like the pioneers, I think. Oh. <laughs> and so, in about in according to a 1900 census, the family was recorded to also have an adoptive daughter. Da- daughter, did you hear that? <laughs> I heard that daughter. Okay, <laughs> they had an adoptive daughter named Morgan, but later would be called Jenny Olson. But that is pretty much all that is like known of her at all. Belle and Albert, so he went by his middle name. Mads, I guess, didn't flow well. I don't know. Mads <laughs> seems like a really weird name. But... The names, the names. <laughs> yeah, I know. Keep them straight. Belle and Albert opened a candy store two years after being married, but it wasn't extremely successful. And not long after they opened, their house and the store burned to the ground 
and they use the insurance money they receive to buy a new home for themselves. In another bout of bad luck, two of their children, Caroline and Axel, died as infants from acute colitis. Oh. Yeah. It's basically like something to do with their stomach. Like, oh. Yeah. Both children had life insurance policies, which Bell and Albert collected. So, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you're like me, there's a little bit of suspicion here. Because yep, all of these yep, insurance yep. policies are being cashed in on. Well, here's another one for you. On July 30th, 1900, Albert Sorensen suddenly died. His doctor had been treating him for an enlarged heart and determined the cause of death was heart failure. And what do you think Bell got after his death? <laughs> an insurance <you> know? policy. <laughs> insurance money. And you guess. some baked goods. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yes, there was an insurance policy. But the interesting part about this one is that there were two policies on Albert. One was expiring the day that he died, and the other one was starting the day he died. So okay, Bo. Uh huh. Overlapped, and he happens to die on the one day <laughs> that they overlap. They must not allow wow. this to happen. Wow. Is that why they now end at midnight and the other one starts at 12.01? <laughs> I definitely don't know the ins and outs of life insurance policies, but... I do feel like insurance policies in general, like, say they end at midnight on or, like, 11.59 and the other one starts at 12 or so whatever. There's no cheating the system. Thanks, Belle. <laughs> yeah, good job, Belle. <laughs> really paving the way for all the Scorpio women out here. Mm -hmm. Mental note, ladies, but, this, you know... <laughs> And we don't think this is the case anymore. But anyway, she received a total of $8,500, which today would be about $250,000. Mm, so not quite too shabby. a bit of money. Yeah. She used this money to buy a farm in LaPorte, Indiana. And this is only about 70 miles from where she was in Illinois. <clears throat> Excuse me. So before making the move to LaPorte, Belle met a fellow Norwegian who had recently been widowed, named Peter Gunnis. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. He was a butcher by trade. Belle and he married in Laporte on April 1st. April Fool's Day. Who does that? <laughs> was April Fool's Day a, a thing? I just then? was going to say that. I don't know. Maybe she's why it is. Maybe, because the fool is G Peter Gunnis. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. But... So April 1st, 1902, Peter had two daughters at the time, and a week after the wedding, his infant daughter died of unknown causes. Oh, no. A mere eight months later, Peter met a similar fate to those that came before him. He had a tragic accident in the kitchen. He was getting something off of a shelf, and a meat grinder toppled off the shelf and hit him on the head. Stop it. The butcher was killed by a meat grinder. Stop it. <laughs> so an investigation was opened, clearly, but there was never any fi charges filed. And a year after that, Peter's brother moved to Wisconsin and took Peter's oldest daughter with him. And thank goodness, because I'm not sure that she would have survived living with Belle if he had left her with him, with, with Belle. But again, Bell received another $3,000 for Peter's death, which 
is close to about $90,000 today. Is the meat grinder on? Mm, I I, no, I don't think so. I think it was just sitting on the shelf. So it was like blunt force to the mm-hmm. head that killed him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this is clearly what Bell is stating what mm-hmm, happened. Mm-hmm. Got if, it. Is that what happened? We don't really know. The people in the town would not accept that Peter could have been that clumsy because they had known him for years. He was an experienced butcher in town. And not to mention one of Bell's own children, I believe Jenny Olson, <laughs> told a classmate that Bell had hit Peter with a meat cleaver. Oh, my gosh. So the coroner decided to review the case, hearing all of these murmurs around things, and announced that it was a murder, which then led to the coroner's jury, which these this is all like weird things that happen. I guess they the coroner would decide whether it was murder, and then a jury, a coroner jury would be established to decide if this was actually the case. Interesting. I don't, I don't know. It was it's weird. Somehow Bell managed to convince this jury that she had done nothing wrong and she was cleared. Hmm. In May of 1903, she gave birth to a son named Philip. Apparently, she had been pregnant this entire time with Peter's child and didn't even tell anybody at the time. So, she didn't use it as an excuse, why would I kill my husband? I'm pregnant. She just all of a sudden gave birth. She's a big woman, so I imagine she hit it. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Um, in 1907, Bell hired a farmhand named Ray Lampfear. Or L- Lampier. I don't know. L-A-M-P-H-E-R-E. I would say Lampier. Mm-hmm. There were rumors that Ray became more than just a farmhand to Bill. To Bell, not Bill. I mean, I don't know who Bill is. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Ray would get drunk and brag about sleeping with her. The locals had a little bit of a hard time believing that because apparently due to her size and her love of wearing men's overalls, it was hard to see Belle in that kind of light that she would just like jump in the sack with her farmhand. I see. I might have a very clear picture <laughs> of her in her overalls or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. After a while, Ray was just not enough for Belle, and she decided to take a personal ad out in a few Midwest newspapers. And they were, I believe, Norwegian newspapers, and that it possible, possibly the ad was in Norwegian. But it read as follows. Comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well-provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies oh <laughs> No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Okay. Trifler. <laughs> I know Don't scrubs. Be tri- Don't be try. <laughs> I just looked up what comely means. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Um, I'm just assuming that the definition of comely was Belle Gunness. <laughs> it is definitely not. Oh, really? Comely means pleasurably conforming to notions of good appearance, suitability, or proportion, having a pleasing appearance, not homely or plain. Oh, see, I was like making it like homely. That's what I was thinking when I heard comely. It's the opposite of that. 
Yeah, well, not guys, homely or plain. Well, there will be pictures posted of this comely woman. You <laughs> can be the judge in her overalls with her meat. Well, although I have not, meat I will cleaver. say I have not seen any pictures of her in overalls, but I didn't specifically look for them. But she typically has this like dress on when I see pictures of her. But anyway. It's reported that shortly after placing these ads, Belle would be seen with different men riding through town in a horse and buggy in her best clothes, and her hair did, <laughs> and she would tell the locals that these men were cousins coming from out of town to help her around the farm. So they would be there, and then they wouldn't. So it was just all these, you know, relatives come and help out every now and then. John Moe was one of them. He came from Minnesota and carried $1,000 to pay off Bell's mortgage for her. And he wasn't seen after a week of being there. Did Another they ever one... confirm that any of these men were actually her cousins? No. Mm -mm, they were not her cousins. Oh, so she no, was a hoe. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I don't think she wanted to be seen in that light. So she was just telling them, oh, these are cousins of mine coming. <laughs> Plus, then it would be... I don't be... know what's worse. <laughs> Then it would be easier to explain that they left because, oh, they were just family members coming to visit for a short time, and now they're not here anymore. Oh, my goodness. Once comely, you Comely bow. Yes, once we realize what she really has done. Another one of these men was George Anderson from Missouri. He came and said he would pay off her mortgage, too, if they decided to wed after he came to meet her. He awoke in the middle of the night to Belle standing over him, looking at him in a sinister way. He nope. screamed. Yeah. Nope. Mm -mm. He screamed and she immediately ran out of the room. And he was so convinced that she was going to harm or murder him that he jumped out of bed, got dressed and ran out of the house and like left all of his belongings and never even came back for them. Like just good. Got up, took the first train back to Missouri. <laughs> good. Another man came from Wisconsin. He had mortgaged his land at a bank in Laporte in April of 1907 and his children had no idea where he was, but soon discovered that he was at Bell's that Bell's farm was his destination. And they wrote to Bell asking where their father was, but she wrote back saying she had never seen him. So he moved from Wisconsin, mortgages her farm, his farm in Laporte, where she is, but basically, and then it just disappears. And they, she says he never. I tell you what, ladies, you need to reread that. Uh personal ad because it apparently had effect on men uh yeah and it was just like the letters just kept on rolling wow and yes apparently i don't know if men back then were desperate I don't, I don't well they know. were like no scrubs i'm not a scrub <laughs> <laughs> triflers need not apply she's comely come on <laughs> she's comely i'm gonna start using that word to describe myself okay this happened many times with many different men throughout the year of 1907. In December of 1907, Andrew Helgeline, who was from South Dakota, exchanged several letters with Bell after responding to her ad in the papers. In January of 1908, Bell wrote Andrew this letter, and he promptly left South Dakota to be with her. I'm so glad that we have some of the like actual words that they said. I was going to say, I would die to read these letters. Mm-hmm. To the dearest friend in the world. So this is Belle writing to Andrew, and this is what made him just, like, pick up and go. No woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. 
I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long take one long to tell when I I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not Bell's tripping you up proper English. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person. And you I like better than anyone in the world. I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world. We will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly. When I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song, it is a beautiful it is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you, my Andrew. I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. Wow. She knows how to reel it in. <laughs> Bell got game. Bell got game. Andrew, like others before him, brought with him a check for $2,900, and he and Bell deposited the money in the Laporte bank together. So now, things kind of go a little haywire for Bell. It's okay. a little messy. So I'll explain how when we come back from this break. So, do you all remember Ray Lampier, right? Okay. Okay. Remember him, right? The farmhand? Oh, yeah, that yeah. Sh- that Belle was sleeping with before all this? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she was sleeping with him through all, all this. I don't know. Possibly. Well, he fell in love or had fallen in love with Belle and was beginning to get jealous of all of these men. So when he found out Andrew was to be Belle's new husband, he became enraged and like threw a fit essentially right then and there. So Belle fired him, was like, get off my property, want nothing to do with you anymore, leave. A few short days after that, Andrew was gone and Belle was in town at the courts trying to convince them that um, Ray was a bad man and needed to be taken into custody and determined if he was sane. He was determined to be sane. They, like, brought him in, questioned him, had a whole, like, jury or something, and he was determined to be sane and and released. And a few days later, she came back and had him arrested for trespassing because I guess Ray came back to kind of cause another scene to, you know, about mad about Andrew, even though Andrew was gone. And he got – she had him arrested for trespassing. So she then went to her lawyer's house – or office saying that Ray had been threatening to kill her and her children and burn her house down. And she wanted to make a will in case this happened. She left her entire estate to her children. Meanwhile, Andrew, who now is non-existent in Mm -hmm. Belle's life, his brother was starting to wonder what had happened to him. And he found that letter that I read just before the break at his brother's house. And he immediately sent an inquiry about his brother. So all of this is like all through mail. So you can imagine like the time that it takes. Like, right. oh, I found this letter. Let me write a letter to Belle. Let me wait for the letter to come back. Like, like you were like, ring-a-ding-ding. Hey, Belle, where's my brother? <laughs> like, So he sends a letter. She responds by telling him that he had left and most likely had gone to Norway to see family. But his brother wasn't really convinced that that's something he would do without saying anything. So he kind of kept on Belle and she said that if he wanted to come down and 
put a search party together. She was more than willing to help, but that she expected to be compensated for her help. I was just going to say, P.S. Send a check for my mortgage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me pay off the mortgage that first guy paid off. <laughs> John Moe. It's, like, it's been paid off like five times at this point. Yeah, pretty much. So in February of 1908, Bell hired another farmhand named Joe Maxson. Joe was staying in the same house as Bell and her children, but on like the sep- a separate side. And on April 28th, 1908, Joe woke up to smoke coming through his window. And at first he thought it was like, you know, breakfast being cooked because he was on the second floor above the kitchen. However, when he looked out the window, he saw flames. He tried to run out the door, but it was locked. He yelled, fire, fire, to try and wake everybody else in the house up, but he heard nothing. He didn't hear anybody else clamoring to get out, nothing. He ran down a back set of stairs and tried to use an axe to get into the house to save the others inside, which would be Belle and her three small children. Oh, Joe. He was unsuccessful, and by the time authorities arrived to the house, it had burned to the ground. Similar to that of the Sodder story, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm because things took so long by the time you've find a way to get to the fire department and get them there and whatnot. So I'm glad things have changed in those terms. Right. So when they finally get into the rubble, they found four burnt bodies, (gasps) three children and one, yeah, one adult woman's body. However, it was headless. Police immediately arrest Ray because clearly she had gone to the lawyer and said, well, he told me he's going to burn my house down and kill all of us so they immediately arrest ray and he but he keeps insisting i i had nothing to do with this i wasn't even near the home at the time of the fire i don't even know what's happening but and they don't find the head of bell at the scene and assume ray disposed of it elsewhere which is just another weird thing like why would you just assume that i mean but i guess that's how he killed her and then set fire to the houses what they're assuming since that's what Bell had said he was planning on doing. When Andrew's brother <clears throat> had seen the news about the fire in the newspaper, he quickly traveled to Indiana in search of answers as to where his brother was. So go Andrew's brother, by the way. And his name I is know. Assel, A-S-L-E. Is that, would you say Assel. That? Is that how you would say that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the names in this. Let me tell you. I tell you what. Go asshole. That's. <laughs> People you are a brave me. asshole. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. We could keep going on that one, I think. But... We are way too immature for these things. Yes. Let's rein this one back in. Okay. So asshole immediately went to Indiana. <laughs> he went to the sheriff and they brought him to the house and allowed him to look for evidence of his brother in the rubble. He joined in the search for the head. Because that's what they were there searching for. And he was just hoping he would find some sort of sign of his brother. Asshole at some point. Sorry. Never <laughs> not. Never not funny. Okay. At some point, he talked to Joe Maxson, the new farmhand, asking if there had been any holes dug on the property recently. I mean, he's pretty smart. Liz, I hope this guy was a, I hope this asshole was a <laughs> detective at some point. Really smart <laughs> asshole. <laughs> smart asshole. Yeah. <laughs> can't either (laughs) (laughs) okay let's try and get through this um joe mentions that some soft depressions in the fenced in hog pen 
or he mentioned that there were some soft depressions in the fenced-in hog pen that Bell had asked him to level out and that she had just told him that she had buried garbage in those areas. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> so, Assel then asked the investigators to go and dig up those depressions. They quickly hit a layer of trash, and they found a burlap sack, and inside they find two feet, two hands, and one head. Assel immediately recognized his the head as his brother Andrew's. Oh, my. She buried them in the hog pen. Mm-hmm. The men suddenly realized there were dozens of these depressions throughout the yard, and they began pulling body after body out of the yard. Most of the bodies were found quartered and chopped up into pieces. Others had traces of strychnine, which is basically used as rat poison, in them. And as news of this spread, stories started coming in about missing men that may have answered Bell's ad. These are the names of the men that could 100% be identified. Olby Budsberg of Iola, Wisconsin, who vanished in May of 1907. Thomas Linbo, who had left Chicago and had gone to work as a hired man for Gunnis three years earlier. Henry Gerholt of Scandinavia, Wisconsin, who had gone to wed her a year earlier, taking $1,500. A watch corresponding to the one belonging to him was found with a body. Olaf Svenherud from <laughs> Chicago. Good job. <laughs> John Moe, who I mentioned earlier, Olaf Lindblom from Wisconsin, Benjamin Carling of Chicago, Illinois, was last seen by his wife in 1907 after telling her he was going to Laporte to secure an investment with a rich widow. He <gasps> had with him $1,000 from an insurance company and had borrowed money from several investors as well. In 1908, his widow was able to identify his remains from Laporte's Pauper's Cemetery by the contour of his skull and three missing teeth. Wow. Well, he might have been trifling. He might have been trifling. There is even an even longer list of men that they have not been able to prove were victims of Bell's, but likely they were. And they found remains that equaled around 40 people. Wow. One of which was the body of her adopted daughter, Jenny Olson, who oh, Bell... Oh, my gosh. Bell had told neighbors had left for boarding school years earlier. So she's probably not too happy that Jenny had said, mommy hit Peter with a meat cleaver and decided <sighs> she needed to go. The local town people also did not believe the female body found in the fire was Bell. They believed it to be too small to be her. Bell was 5'9", and the corpse was around 5'3", and Bell was 200 pounds, and this body was closer to about 125. Ray was convicted of arson, but was cleared of murder charges. There had been strychnine found in the stomachs of all three of her children. So she poisoned them. This is the story. She poisoned them and started the fire. And put somebody else in her place and cut the head off so they wouldn't know who it was. <gasps> Who's the real asshole? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this is the story because while in prison, Ray had apparently confessed that he knew all about what Bell had been doing to the men, which is probably why she started, you know, complaining about him and reporting him to the police. Then when Andrew's brother kept writing to her and asking questions, um, I'm sorry, he kept asking her questions about where he was and whatever, she drained all of her accounts and then 
made this elaborate plan to escape. Investigators did find that she did take all of the money out of those accounts, almost all of it. There was a small amount left, but most of it was taken out shortly before the fire. And Ray had estimated that she accumulated about $250,000, which would be close to, oh gosh, I think I, I think I looked this up and it was like 7 million today. So, I mean, quite a bit of money for her in that time. She killed her own children and staged her own death. And he claims the body that was found was a girl from Chicago who had come there because she had been promised a housekeeping job with Belle. But that has never been proven. So So they don't don't know who it was. Mm -mm. Wow. He even claims she fed some of the men's body parts to the hogs at times. She got lazy. So sightings have been reported of her all the way through 1931. I mean, I there's a lot of stories out there since there's this conspiracy that it wasn't her in the fire. I do not believe it was her, 100%. Um, I believe she took that money and ran. And there, people have said they've sight, uh, saw her in many different places. And they did exhume the body because the the headless woman was buried next to her husband. And in 2007, they exhumed the body, hoping that they would, you know, have enough DNA to like prove one way or another, but they didn't. Wait, in 2007? Yes. What? Yeah. Because there was like family or whatever they thought they just might, because I mean, this is just such an interesting case. And now that they have all this DNA and systems, they thought maybe they'd be able to find like a familial link. Right. That would prove it wouldn't, wasn't her, but they were, they found nothing. So it's still just goodness mystery. Yeah. So there's the story in a nutshell of Belle Gunness. <laughs> the biggest, I think, female serial killer out there. <laughs> I don't have words. I need to know what, how she got these men. I mean, that was a good letter, but like, good grief, it wasn't 40 men good. Mm-mm. No. Well, clearly some of them thought they were coming for an investment. So right. I don't know where that one came from because I didn't see, you know, any other ads. Some people probably came for jobs thinking they were going to be working. So Mm -hmm. there was other ways, but I know a a good amount of them were answering that ad. I also think it's interesting that Mr. Ray was like in love with her and all this stuff, but then said that he knew what she was doing to these men. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's how he was proving his love. He was helping her. Part of what people were saying. He's never admitted that, but people in on many different sites will say that he was basically probably helping her to dispose of these bodies and he would just do anything she wanted just because she asked. What a monster with wildly like infectious ways, Mm -hmm. as are all of the serial killers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. True. Where? the crap did she go? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, you know, I saw a couple of different, like where she was sight, um, thought to be seen. And there was one, and I don't remember, I probably should have written this down cause it would have been interesting to actually look more further into, but that, um, was one lady that got arrested in like 1931 and died in jail. And they but, thought it might be her. Yeah. That was the, the last one. I think that they thought was her and she killed her children like her children all of them no well except for the one that was what's his name's 
years ago. That one, yeah, that uncle. The uncle took. Yeah, it's the only one, and that wasn't even her kid. Like that was stepkid. But anyway, terrible, 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 terrible woman. <laughs> Fascinating woman, actually. I have so many questions for her. <laughs> <laughs> for that bell. Mm. Okay. I liked that story and all the names. <laughs> Especially Asshole. Asshole. Asshole's my favorite. And he was the best. He was the best character in the entire story. He was he literally was so like the heroine of all of them. The mm-hmm. asshole wins the day. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. <laughs> May we all be assholes. <laughs> going to stop go all now. Can literally go all day. Okay. Okay. That was a great story. Thank you for bringing another serial killer back into the mix. You're welcome. I, I really just couldn't give up it. on him yet. <laughs> I know. That story definitely needed to be told. That's really interesting. I'm excited to see pictures of, of this comely woman. Yeah. <laughs> They're good, are they? She's a beaut. She's a beaut. <laughs> 250 pounds of her. Mm-hmm. Can't hate it. Okay. Well, if you liked it as much as I did, come tell us about it and find us on all the platforms. Thank you guys so much for the ratings that I got for my birthday. Mm-hmm. I did not hate that. That was awesome. So keep those coming. We really liked them. We're on everything Instagram, Facebook. We have a website. We've got email. You can send us a voicemail. Do all that. Keep in touch with us. Send us some case suggestions. Go vote. Yes. Get out there with us. And we definitely will ride the rest of 2020 out with you. And remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet. I'm not afraid of